industrialized construction coordinators, uh, you know, product development um, for MEP contractors, for uh, carpenters, for general contractors, people that are solely dedicated to like product development. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. This is a special episode that we recorded live from the Advancing Prefabrication 2023 show. It was awesome to be with the innovators and change makers throughout the prefab and modular world. There's a ton of energy and momentum in the movement. Enjoy hearing the insights and trends around productization, data, communication, and so much more. Now, on to the interview. So we are live day two at Advancing Prefab 2023, joined by CJ Best right now. So CJ, uh, let's start by a little bit about yourself and what brought you to Advancing Prefab this year. Yeah, so I'm CJ Best, Director of Manufacturing at McKinstry. Uh, been in the industry about a decade now and at McKinstry for a decade. Um, so before that, I was in aerospace. Before that, I was in product data okay. um, for a chemical distribution company. Um, and so, you know, my kind of career trajectory, I started out as a mechanical project engineer, um, kind of worked through project engineer, project management, uh, mm-hmm. and then got into kind of managing the virtual design piece of the project, right? Yeah. Um, working through with our detailing team and then extending that kind of management piece into the shops. So managing releasing of spools, um, schedules, budgets for mm-hmm. the shop piece. Uh, and then the company was like, hey, you're pretty good at this. Do you want to do this for our office down in Oregon? Right. And so I kind of took over getting our shop off the ground down there yeah. uh, and grew our detailing team down in the Oregon market. Um, and then from there kind of moved into our construction innovation team uh, and worked on kind of our whole model-based workflow within the organization, mm-hmm. as well as some other, uh, our Revit transition um, from AutoCAD. Uh, and then moved into the role I'm in now, um, which is director of manufacturing, and I kind of support the strategic direction mm-hmm. and process improvement and sales efforts for our organization kind of as a whole. So yeah. that's what kind of brings me here, is looking at <laughs> networking with different people, looking for opportunities um, to Kind of connect with folks, understand what they're doing, what processes can we bring back to McKinstry, and just kind of continuously improve. Yeah, so. very nice. If there was, if you could go back to your yourself a, a decade ago, yeah, and kind of tell you something, like make sure you pay attention to this over the the next ten years. What kind of piece of advice would you give? Yeah, I think I um, and I give this advice to uh, folks that I'm mentoring in the industry is that. Um, you know, if you want to kind of continue to progress within your career, like don't be, um, don't be shot down or disappointed if the role that you're wanting to get into doesn't exist yet. Mm. The last three roles that I've been in at McKinstry didn't exist until I moved into them. Right. Um, and so part of that was uh, me having a passion around something and showing that I could execute on it. Mm. But that's that's only one part of the equation. The second part is matching that up with a business need, right? Mm. And so. 
you know, I think the example of the construction innovation group, like that was me being passionate around technology, process improvement, but also I just kind of lucked out in terms of timing with the organization yeah. that they were pulling people out of day-to-day -day ops to bring them into kind of this R&D function. Um, and so looking out for those opportunities within your organization um, and then just kind of don't be afraid to maybe take do a little bit more than what's in your current role if you want to continue progressing through the organization. Yeah, so. I think that's good advice. That was when you were talking about that. Uh, yesterday's keynote kind of came into my mind of when Amy asked like seven years ago when this show started how many people had prefab or industrialized construction in their title and like no hands went up and then she said you know how many have it now and there was a whole mess of hands that yeah <laughs> that went up uh, so I think that's good this construction is changing so much that the the jobs of you know five ten years in the future they're not here yet it's the people now that are the innovators that are really kind of forging the paths ahead of what those jobs are going to look like. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a few roles that I kind of foresee out in the future that maybe don't exist yet, or, or maybe they do in certain kind of forward-thinking companies are, you know, more um, industrialized construction coordinators, mm -hmm. uh, you know, product development um, for MEP contractors, for... Uh, carpenters for general contractors, people that are solely dedicated to like product development. Yeah. Um, but I think it's hard in the construction industry because you don't have the level of investment and the margins to make the level of investment that you do in manufacturing, for example. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of what we have to overcome is the existing like contracting method and barriers that we have to be able to actually like make that investment. Because I don't think the, the work that we're doing isn't I mean, it's challenging, but it's not insurmountable, mm -hmm. but you have to make the investment. Right, yeah. So. so any kind of key takeaways so far coming out of Advancing Prefab? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I had a couple really good takeaways from the pre-conference day. I was in a couple of the workshops, um, and you know, one of the things that um, the first session was from uh, Helm Mechanical and a uh, consultant from ADO was just around the data strategy and you know, one of the things I took away was like their their goal or ADO's kind of recommendation around if you should pursue a certain technology or process improvement is like a 3x ROI, mm -hmm. um, which seems like high to me, but also kind of makes sense because if you, you know, those are always kind of fuzzy math numbers, right? right. And so if you, if you were to... Um, double your costs and uh, only see half of the savings, then like you're not necessarily making it out completely, but you're at a lot better spot than if you're only at a 1.5 mm -hmm. um, ROI and then all of a sudden you're, you're, you were way off on the potential savings. So right. um, that, that was a really interesting one. And then the standard, standard hours from US engineering was super intriguing of kind of simplifying how you look at your shop operations to really understand how much throughput you need to have in order to know if you're making money kind of each day. Right, yeah, so one of the things that strikes me, you know, when you come to an event like this, there's you can feel the, the energy and the excitement and everybody's uh, having all these great, you know, pages and pages of notes to take back, but how do you practically kind of bring the energy back into the, the real world and then have it applicable so that you, 
you remember and take action on what yeah, you learned. Yeah, I think, you know, you're kind of in this, like, aura of, like, oh, everyone's excited about yeah. prefab. Like, let's go change the world. And then you get back Monday, and it's like, oh, you have a bunch of meetings, and, like, you right. the, you're the week goes by. The yeah. that you were just out of. And then you're like, shoot, I was supposed to download these slides, and I didn't get around to it. So yeah. one of my strategies is and I was doing it this morning, is I try and debrief from the day before and write down my action items um, mm -hmm. in my notes and not wait till the end of the conference. And so, you know, and I, I don't like to, it, it, and it's unfortunate um, that they don't, and I, I understand why in terms of kind of processing everything, but it'd be really helpful if slides were after, like mm -hmm. soon after the presentation, because, right. you know, I, I had, four action items from yesterday and so three of those i i added to my to-do list kind of in my normal planning workbook right or okay yeah. like my tasks in outlook right mm -hmm. and then the other one i i already sent off to the person at the company because i i know that once i go back if i don't have it scheduled in my normal like work planning right. session it's not going to happen right um and so that that's i don't know that's my approach to trying to take take things from the conference and actually be able to execute on them yeah, no, I think that's good. Do it now and then build it in so that when you get back, it's... Yeah, because if it's like it. a separate notebook, right, mm -hmm. that's not your normal planning <laughs> process, then you're not going to look at it till the next conference. And then you're like, shoot, yeah, I was going to look at that. That was right. a really There's a lot of good stuff thing. here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you taught a class yesterday. What was the, the class on? Yeah, so the class was around kind of improving your product development strategy. Um, and it was really focused on how do you structure and kind of create a framework for um, product development? And, and I don't know, product is maybe a loose term. I would say more like standard assemblies or it could, or it could be products, but really standards around your organization. And so, you know, I shared McKinstry's framework that we have, which is really a combination of, well, actually before I get into that, so there's, how you organize your standards and then how you're going to communicate those. Mm -hmm. um, and that's arguably like the most challenging part. It's mm -hmm. not that it's not super difficult to come up with the standards, but getting 300 people on board with the standards that you've developed is pretty right. challenging. Um, and then and how do you the buy in? Of right. That. Getting the buy in. Um, and so and then how do you continuously improve on that? Right. Mm -hmm. Once you have a standard, now you got to keep it fresh and updated with new information that comes in and learnings on projects. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of went through um, our levels of manufacturing concept, which kind of goes from level zero, which is like stovepipe, just vendors delivering stuff out to the field, um, kind of through kind of each level progresses in terms of the amount of work that's done offsite, right? Uh -huh. So level one would be like, you're just organizing material, but you're not, you're not cutting it, you're not joining it, you're not doing anything like that, mm -hmm. um, up to levels four, five, six, four being you're having multiple services um, and a single trade kind of putting together like a multi-trade rack, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or, a, or a piping rack, for example. Um, and then up to level six, which is like your full volumetric prefabrication with MEP. Maybe there's fire in there. Maybe mm -hmm. there's some low-volt or AV. There's drywall, like all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. um, and that framework uh, then ties into our uh, playbook that we have. And so that's, that allows us to, to give our project teams the ability to decide what is the right level of manufacturing to go to for each play that we have, right? Mm -hmm. So a, an example that I shared in the presentation was um, 
uh, backflow prevention station. And so typically that's just like, hey, here's all these components on a skid mm -hmm. uh, or on assembly that gets shipped out, but what if the valves aren't gonna show up in time? And so rather than just scrapping the whole thing, yeah. still assemble everything, but just don't do the valves. And so that's that was the example I shared of doing a level three instead of level four. Gotcha. Um, so um, yeah, and then kind of continuous improvement process is around our build planning approach and how do you plan the projects early on by leveraging the playbook and then my team meets with the build plan facilitators to get feedback as they hear from projects and then we inject that back into the playbook. So we have mm -hmm. like a durable process for documenting those improvements and then leveraging them for future jobs. Yeah, love that. What's the, the biggest thing that construction needs to learn from manufacturing? Um, I think, and maybe I'll, I'm not going to necessarily flip the question on its head a little bit, but I think one of the biggest pieces is leveraging some of the lean processes right. without actually calling them lean processes. <laughs> so, uh, so and don't go full lean construction? No, well, I think just there's a lot of, on the trade side, a lot of times there's resistance to doing something like a 5S event or a Kaizen mm -hmm. event because they say, hey, we're not manufacturing. Mm -hmm. But some of the success I found at McKinstry is leveraging those same concepts, but just calling it something different, mm -hmm. right? And then yeah. it, it's more, you're approaching it as, hey, this is a process that's that's worked, um, but it's not necessarily specifically a, f a 5S event, but you're kind of walking through the different aspects of that. Yeah. Um, and so, because you, you, people tend to put their guard up, and so by not calling it what it is, um, you kind of allow them to be more open to what the process is. Mm -hmm. Makes a ton of sense. My, my marketing ears kind of perk up uh, yeah. with that is because you're branding it right. differently. And I think one of the, the big uh, mistakes that a lot of people make in general, but it's prevalent in construction, is you take the what is applicable to the, the C-suite and kind of what the value prop was for them. And then you just say that same message to every single person along the value chain and all the, the stakeholders and they are totally not bought in because they're like, yeah, I get it for that guy, but what about me? Yeah. And there's a real value for even, you know everybody in the process, but you're not telling what that unique individual values and so they don't see it from their perspective yeah i mean it, the the change management process you know i've got to go through a few different iterations of the mm -hmm. at mckinstry and it's a it's a challenging process for sure and nobody likes change Even no and i think do well with change don't always love change <laughs> yeah and i think there, there's a few things i've learned along the way you know one of which is understanding the volume of change kind of across the organization mm -hmm. and having a pulse depending on where you are in the org, like if you're kind of at my level, you've got a little more insight into what's going on mm -hmm. across the organization outside of your group. Um, but having that awareness, even if you're a, you know, construction technologist or pro project manager and you want to deploy this new thing, mm -hmm. making sure you kind of understand like, okay, well, we're deploying a new um, ERP system, mm -hmm. right? And so, Oh, we're also changing out how the field orders material. Oh, and how we're doing rentals. Oh, and like how BIM is delivered to the field is now different. And so like it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming <laughs> for cer certain folks and maybe it's not impacting you, but you mm -hmm. got to look at everybody that's getting impacted by the process or technology that you're trying to deploy. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think the other piece too that I learned after kind of reflecting around our, our deployment of our, our shop management platform is like if you, if the value proposition isn't directly attributable to a certain persona, right? Mm-hmm. So like for the shop floor, for example, you know, tracking productivity in and of itself doesn't help them weld faster. And right. so like they're less likely to care about it. Um, but by knowing what your costs are and being able to get more competitive on projects, you ultimately can win more work. Mm-hmm. But that's like two levels removed from what they're doing on the shop floor. Right. And so the further the value prop is for the people on the on the floor, so to speak, whether mm-hmm. that's in the field or in the shop, the more important it is to have their leaders bought into the process so they yeah. can help enforce it um, and kind of help ensure that there's buy-in kind of across the organization. Calling all innovators. In just a few weeks, you can attend a free online training event that could change your work life. BIM Up is for innovative construction professionals like you offering over 200 classes from May 23rd through the 25th that cover BIM best practices, Revit, AutoCAD, and lots of other topics that can help improve the way you work. I think you'll get a ton of value by attending. To sign up, simply go to asti.com slash BIMUP. Hope to see you there. No, I think it's a good point because you know, in that example, it, it may create more work for that person. Yeah. It, it's not, you can't go to them and be like, oh, this is going to save you time. Because it's not. Yeah. It's going to save the company time and, and create efficiency that way. But you got to be able to, to speak to that of like, here's why we're doing it. And that's it's a, it's a tough sell in, in some circumstances. It can be. You gotta, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so what's the, the journey to productization look like for you? Um, you know, I think part of it is just, getting out there and starting with the first type of standard that you want to deploy, right? I, th- I think you can spend a lot of time, years, trying to get the perfect organizational structure, um, whether it's like actual people in your organization mm-hmm. to support that development, or like how are you going to structure this within your network folders or SharePoint or mm-hmm. digitally organize it, right? Um, and I, I would encourage folks to like, just get going on one or two standards or products that you want to deploy. And then as you kind of go through that process, you'll start learning about how you want to organize um, all of the products that you're developing. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I've, I've kind of taken that advice to heart a little bit because we're working on producing a product catalog right now, right? Okay. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm like, okay, I want to figure out all my like SKU nomenclature and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm realizing that like I don't have enough insight into kind of all of the different product lines we're going to have yet to really know like how I want to develop the SKU structure or what are the different traits that I want to have for filtering down this stuff. And so I'm like, okay, I just need to start listing out like what do I want to tackle and then kind of come back and clean up, uh, clean that up rather than trying to have it perfect like from day one. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Uh, So one of kind of our our core themes on the show is around innovation. So with that, what does innovation mean to you? I think innovation is really around trying to uh, disrupt the status quo to like better improve upon something, and really, through my lens, is driving out driving out waste in the process. Um, it and kind of like you said before, maybe it's not 
driving out waste in every single step, but by somebody doing a little bit more, you're saving a ton of time downstream or maybe upstream mm -hmm. um, to make the whole process more efficient. And so, um, you know, I, I think innovation is something that is awesome and drives uh, a lot of passion for people that are super smart in the industry. And I think folks that aren't in the industry, but are, um, interested in innovation, like construction has so much opportunity that I yeah. think it's it's something that we need to continue to market out to the younger generations and to others that maybe are tired of whatever industry they're in. Because um, I think it's going to take it's going to take a village to get us to where we need to go. Yeah, more than agree. I think there's so much there's so much exciting things happening in construction that with all the, the innovation coming in, the, the technology coming in, the, there's some fresh blood slowly starting to, to come yep. as well and, and change the, the culture in a, I think in a good positive direction that now is the time to, to be in construction hands down. I, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel super fortunate about kind of the timing that I got into the industry. So it was 2013 and you know, we were starting to leverage the model more. Right. But there's, you know, I think I was able to get some, bumps and bruises along the way around like basic file folder structures having a vpn in and like yeah. we didn't have revit being able to create assemblies super easily and like we were still on autocad right and so um just kind of understanding some of the pain points of pr prior pieces of the industry i mean mm -hmm. obviously there was stuff before we were modeling content um but then like being able to ride this wave of construction technology investment um, and be in that innovation group to really like dive in and understand what's out there in industry yeah. and then kind of going through some change management. It's been, it's been a fun ride so far. Yeah, definitely. Well, how do people find out more information on, on what you guys are doing and uh, maybe connect with you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, best way to connect with me specifically is probably finding me on LinkedIn, um, CJ Best. And I, I, I try and post um, somewhat regularly on just different things that we're up to, have a fun kind of Fab Friday series that's got just basically cool pictures of things that we're working on. Nice. Um, and then, you know, if you want to find out more about McKinstry, you can go to www.mckinstry.com um, and learn kind of a bunch more about our capabilities and what we do. Because um, there's a lot there's a lot to it um, besides just even construction that kind of we bring to the marketplace. So Yeah, awesome. Well, final question for you. If I could give you all construction power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing, what would you pick to innovate? I would, uh, and I don't know the exact answer as to what the solution looks like, but I would get some really smart people together and come up with a better contracting method than what we have today. Uh -huh. I think contractors are not incentivized properly to work as a holistic team. Mm -hmm. They're incentivized to reduce their own risk um, on a project. And so the kind of value proposition doesn't align with like the teamwork that you want to have. And so right. I think until that gets kind of reconciled, you can talk about cooperating as much as you want, but until you al like align the financial and incentives right. with that, like working as a team and there's, there's some projects out there that do it for sure. But I think even just educating owners on how do you come up with like a shared savings contract, right? And making that more of the the status quo rather than the exception, um, and having certain use certain case studies just around that, I think mm. would be would take care of a lot of what we're seeing in the industry. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good thing uh, for sure. And that comes up 
so much when I asked that, that question, actually. I think you'd be surprised how much contracts come up in trying yeah. to solve that. Because to your point, you know, you can you can talk a good game on collaboration, but if your contract is, is kind of putting you in the box of looking for who's at fault, you're kind of setting up collaboration and teamwork doomed to, to failure in a way. Because yeah. people are kind of always kind of <laughs> looking out of the, the corner of their eyes seeing Oh, that's not me. <laughs> yeah, you're always looking for the shade, right? right? Like, hey, as long if even though if we're a little behind, like as long as you know, Sparky or whoever else is maybe further behind, then we're okay, right? right? Um, rather than maybe trying to work with them and help them accelerate or get back on track, right? Yeah. Um, and because there's no incentive for you to do that right, right. now, right? Um, but if there was, I think you'd see a lot more projects delivered uh, under budget and on schedule. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good stuff. CJ, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, Todd. With us. It's been great. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.